0: sleep in? I sure did. My kids' roosters went off just as early as ever. So what is a 545 or something like that? I have some kid kicking me in my bed. They're blessings, right? Is that what the Word of God says? Nonetheless, I was, I was remembering back to a time where I was so pumped because the stampede had come to Morris, Manitoba. Wow. You, you, you guys are a good time. Wow. I know who to call to have a good time. The stampede had come to Morris, Manitoba, whatever that is, and I never go to stuff like this, right? I grew up in a little hick town or outside of Hicktown, hick town New Bothell, Manitoba, and I was pumped. Uncle Pete was going to take us. Man, I could, I was counting down the days, counting down the hours, counting down the minutes and the seconds. It was awesome. But an opportunity provided itself beforehand. My brother Sam came home with a box of matches, a couple boxes, in fact. He was starting to smoke, really cool. And I got to start playing with matches. They weren't just any matches. They were wooden matches. Awesome. So I was just like... (laughs) It was awesome. Like, this is Manitoba kind of fun, right? So... There I was, and I just couldn't resist. I had this in my pocket, so I go to my bathroom, which I've talked to you about before, turn on the fan, you know, it's just so loud. And I go in the bathroom of all places in the house, thinking my mom has no sniffer, and I'd, and then I grab whatever aerator there was, you know. Luckily, I put the match out first. And uh, then I thought the rose or potpourri would cover my, my sin. Well, apparently it did not because I'm out there and, uh, and all of a sudden mom goes into the washroom. She goes, has anybody been using matches? And my brother Sam, no, 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 none of us, none of us have been using matches. I said, yes, we have been. Right, I just couldn't handle my. Already within milliseconds, my, my, my conscience and everything. within. Yes, we have been. I confessed and I aired all of my sins of my youth, whatever that was, by the age of eight or nine. And uh, there I just confessed. And then, you know, obviously Sam got in trouble. I got in trouble. Mark got in trouble. So all three of us got in trouble. Me and Mark were on our way. We're on our way to the Morris Stampede. And now that hung in the balances because of sins. St- my addiction to matches. So, <laughs> so I had this chat, and I was quivering because, you know, I know Uncle Pete is coming over. I think it was that day even. So it was just the worst ever. So Mama, she was great. She was gracious, lovely lady. But she had a, a certain talk with me, how important it was that I would obey her and how bad this could be and the things, you know, all the things that lighting matches led to. <laughs> And, uh, and then I experienced her grace. I was troubled. I was sad. I was repentant. And then she said, okay, do you understand? I said, yes. Okay, uh, I'm going to let you go to the stampede with Uncle Pete. <gasps> and I was just like, I can't tell you how awesome the stampede was. Because first of all, it was a privilege that now hung in the balances. And I know it wasn't my mom's fault. It was my own stupid fault. But yet, because of the grace and the repentance, she just says, okay, I want you to have this time of celebration. And I went and I saw those bulls and those horses kick up their hooves and the mud flying like nobody's business. And I enjoyed it that much more because I knew I didn't deserve it and it was almost taken from me. The grace was unbelievable. So when I decided to obey, the celebration that came with it was unbelievable. And I think the same principle is still there today. In fact, I want to get across to you so much that I want you to help me sing a song. All right? Y'all know how to sing obedience. You know how to spell it? Somebody spell it. O. Bam. You guys are good. Okay? Obedience. Are you ready? If you know the song, sing with me. If not, what's going to happen is right down here, so where I stand, you guys are O's. You guys are bees. You would be. What? What's going on back there? Okay, it's not O B O B. We're gonna be here forever. Okay, so O. Good. You gotta have a bit more feeling. We need Tennyson up here. You know, you guys are all white collared white people. O B A. You know. Like Sesame Street, here give me some soul. Okay, here we go. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Help me out here. Doing exactly as the Lord commands, doing it happily. Action is the key to obedience, joy you will receive. Obedience is the very best way. To show that you believe, oh. <laughs> one more time. O, o- B- E D I e- N. B- yeah, obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. <laughs> you guys, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going back to matches <laughs> oh that's funny oh Lord we need you this morning and we're thankful that we can enjoy each other and enjoy your presence and uh, you know what even in a song of psalms you say um, your banner when the lover is talking to the beloved you say and his banner over me is love this morning I pray that each one of us get a a, a sense of your banner over us that you delight in us that you enjoy your creation, that you enjoy your kids, that, Lord, even though we've messed up, we've all played with matches or something stupid like that, you delight in us. And I pray that through that delight we would turn to the cross and realize it is so good to be in the house of God and to enjoy the presence of the Almighty Father, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the great I am. So, Lord, I pray that your word would just open right up to us and we would be moved by it and we would learn to obey. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so Nehemiah chapter 8, and it's a bit of a lengthy one, and I'm going to ask you to do something different again this morning, but because of our chapter, I'm going to have to get you to stand if possible as we read God's Word together. I'll read it for you. Go ahead, stand with me, please. Nehemiah chapter 8. Did you end up finding it or no? Okay, so you can just follow along. Uh, Because there's some juicy words in it. But uh, if you have your Bibles, turn there. But if not, you can follow along behind me. Nehemiah chapter 8. All the people assembled with a unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. So on October 8th, Ezra the priest brought the book of the law, before the assembly, which included the men and the women and all the children old enough to understand. He faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon and read aloud to everyone who could understand. All the people listened intently or closely to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform that had been made for the occasion. To his right stood Matathiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Messiah. To his left stood Pedadai, Meshael, Makajai, Hashom, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Mesholam. Ezra stood on the platform in full view of all the people. When they saw him open the book, what did they do? Bam. We're obeying already. You guys are good. <laughs> then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people chanted. Amen. Amen. And they lifted their hands and then <laughs> they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua Benai, Sherabiah, Jehim, Akub, I know, eh? Shabbatai, Hodiah, Mashe, kelita Azariah, Jashabad, Hanan and they instructed people in the law while everyone remained in their places. They read from the book of the law of God, and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people to understand each passage. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and scribe, and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, Don't mourn or weep on such a day as this, for today is a sacred day before the Lord your God, for the people had all been weeping as they were listening to the words of the law. Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate. Celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before the Lord. Don't be dejected or sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Levites, too, quieted the people, telling them, Hush, no, 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 don't weep, for this is a sacred day. So the people went away to eat and drink at the festive meal to share the gifts of food and to celebrate the great joy because they had heard God's words and understood them. October 9th, the family leaders of the people, together with the priests and Levites, met with Ezra. The scribe took over the law in greater detail. And as they had studied the law, they discovered that the Lord had commanded through Moses that the Israelites should live in shelters during this festival to be held that month. He had said that a proclamation should be made throughout their towns and in Jerusalem, telling people to go to the hills to get branches from olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees. They were to use these branches to make shelters in which they were to live during the festival as prescribed in the law. So the people went out, cut branches, and used them to build shelters on the roofs of their homes, in their courtyards, in the courtyards of God's temple, or in the squares just inside the water gate and the Ephraim gate. So everyone who had returned from captivity lived in these shelters during the festival, and they were all filled with great joy. The Israelites had not celebrated like this since the days of Joshua, son of Nun. Ezra read from the book of the law of God on each of the seven days of the festival. Then on the eighth day, they held a solemn assembly, as was required by the law. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. So just to give you a recap, especially if you're new to us today, we have been going through the book of Nehemiah, moving forward together. It's been an incredible book because we've seen in this narrative all sorts of stuff happen, even from this infectious vision given out of the ashes of despair to a guy named Nehemiah who really shouldn't have been concerned because he had the greatest job with huge benefits. Why does he care what's happening in his hometown? But he did care, and from the ashes was born a vision and life to this guy named Nehemiah. He leaves his cushy job, shares his vision, and works alongside everyone from homemakers to pharmacists to goldsmiths. Everybody had a piece of it. He is called to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem, a project that could include everyone, and a project that will provide safety, protection, and identity to a people that needed it so bad. During that time, they faced much opposition and obstacles, including ridiculing enemies from without and inside people that were paid off by enemies. Also naysayers and just grumpy old people that were just plain old discouraging. And now he's done building the wall in 52 days. So this is cool. You'll notice I skipped Nehemiah 7, right? Somebody else mentioned that. Are you preaching from Nehemiah 7 this week? I'm going, you're yeah, right. We would be here forever even reading it because of all the juicy names in there. But here we are in Nehemiah chapter 8. And again, it is, is important. Uh, Nehemiah 7 was written as a genealogy to make sure that the people with a Jewish heritage were the ones that were inheriting the land and, and uh, the benefits of Israel in that time. So it is still very important. But Nehemiah 8, here we go. First thing I want you to see is listening is catchy. Listening is catchy. Listen how beautiful verse 1 is. All the people assembled with a unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the book. Bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. So firstly, I want you to see that they gathered together in what? Unified purpose, in unity. Ah, this is incredible. This is an incredible statement. So I mean we have people of all ages with all sorts of painful backgrounds because you got to remember it's not a cushy circumstances here. They've been coming back from exile. They've been coming back from slavery, from beatings, from not being able to enjoy their God, their people in their place. They've been all over the place. They probably haven't even seen parts of their families So for them to all of a sudden come back together with all this pain, all these memories, all this disobedience in their background, coming together as one to hear the Bible, this is good. In Ephesians chapter 4, I want to continue to take this spiritual needle and help you see that the Old Testament is just as important as the New, because the New Testament we need to interpret through the Old. Very important, Ephesians 4 says, As a prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling which, which you've been called. Be completely humble and be gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And then it goes on to talk about different things like the the gifts that we've been given. But I wanted to include that verse, verse 7, because to each of us, grace has been given. You know what? We have all sorts of reasons not to get along in here, don't you think? I could probably spend some time with you and figure out, I don't like that about you. You probably, 10 things you don't like about me, but whatever. We can sit here all day. But isn't it a grace? Isn't it a gift? Isn't it a beautiful present given to us by the Holy Spirit of God that we can come together with all of our differences, with all of our different backgrounds, with all of our different experiences, and we can come together, love on each other, and worship the same Lord together? And the people said, it's awesome. It is awesome. And here it's interesting because we see once again, because listening is catchy, we see that where there is no vision, people perish. So if we flip that around, where there is vision, there is life, right? And we've seen this life given to Nehemiah. Nehemiah hangs out with people as he goes around the wall surveying the damage And then the leaders come in, and now the people, you guys, it's the people that says, let's gather together at the water gate, and let's bring up, Ezra, bring out that book. And now it unfolds what happens as they bring out that book. It's mega interesting that the people assembled with unity outside the water gate, you guys. Out of all the gates, there's a bunch of them, they came outside the water gate, And the Watergate's kind of cool because John 15 and Ephesians 5 talk about the Word of God being like water to our souls. It gives us a picture of the washing of the water. So the washing of the water to our souls is what brings us cleansing to come to the Word of the Lord. In fact, there's sometimes, if you uh, think back, there's sometimes when you come to the Word of God and when you are refreshed by it, it seems to almost... This washing of the water seems to bring you into a right relationship with God. Sometimes when you're confused, having a rough time, going through circumstances that are even hard to put words to, and you come to the, you, you come to the Word of God, and you hear it, and we're going to see in it just a bit, you don't just hear it, you listen to it, and you obey it. Big deal. That's when it brings cleansing to your soul. And you know, too, you've probably memorized 1 John 1, 1.9. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, wash us, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a beautiful promise. But not only that, in John chapter 7, when Jesus stands up at the end of the feast, all who are thirsty, come and drink. That's also a beautiful picture of this very gate that they came together to hear the word of God. Because the Spirit of God in John chapter 7 is one of those things where he says, come and be filled by the Spirit of God that you'll never have to thirst again. You've been trying to jam your life full of all sorts of purpose with your job, with your mate, with living at that oceanside place, whatever. Guess what? The only thing that will satisfy your thirst is the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God. So i got a question for you. You're hearing me right now, but are you listening? When the Spirit of God is speaking to you, when you open your Bible, when you're hanging out with somebody that has, seems to have a word for you or a gift of wisdom or you're sitting in the Bible study, are you, are you just hearing or are you listening? Are you listening what the Word of God is saying to you? You know, God speaks through all sorts of things, but I want to remind you again that God definitely speaks, number one, through His Bible. Bible's a big deal. A while ago, I had somebody in my office and said that they, uh, they, they were living in an immoral relationship, but don't worry about it. I prayed about it. And I just said, save your prayers because there's some things you don't have to pray about because what you prayed for goes against the Word of God. So you don't have to pray about that one. When the Word of God says it, do it. Uh, so, the Bible, God speaks through the Bible. God speaks through the Holy Spirit of God. And if you're not used to that, <clears throat> it's times where you set aside times of quietness and really seek to empty your mind of all the garbage that is infiltrating it and focus on God. Even if that means you, you go over a, a Bible verse over and over again, or if you're just reading a passage, whatever, a devotional thought. And sometimes the Holy Spirit of God will just simply say something that, huh, it might be like I just prayed, his banner over you is love. Maybe he wants to speak and fill you this morning. Or maybe he's saying, you know, what the pastor talked about, about getting involved in night shift or in a small group, and you just feel something that you just can't get off your back. There's a good chance that that might be the Holy Spirit of God. Okay? And then you can figure that out if it lines up with the Bible. Because the Bible's our authority. God speaks through mums and dads. <laughs> Imagine that. God speaks through leaders. So I know there's times where I've really struggled with something. I've gone through people that I really appreciate and, and uh, not just appreciate and think that they'll back me up, but also I go to people that I know love the Lord and are wise and might have a different opinion than I do. And I try and listen to them how God is speaking through them. He uses circumstances both good and bad. He uses godly people. So are you listening? Are you listening like Nehemiah and the people were listening? And then all of a sudden you see a reference here to Ezra. Really exciting. Because Ezra here was the right man for the job. Ezra was a a priest and a scribe who had in Ezra chapter seven, 7 verse 10 says, he had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach Israel. So here Ezra is right alongside them. Isn't this cool? So we see Nehemiah called to this whole thing and all you see is Nehemiah, obviously the main character of this whole story is God. But you heard about Nehemiah a ton. And then all of a sudden, shoop, right over here, he, who is this Ezra? wow, well, Ezra's fantastic because he too led some reformation and he was a priest and scribe whose heart was prepared for this day. I want to ask you a question. What happens if God calls you to something today? Are you also, uh, are you prepared? For those of us that are totally unprepared, you never hang out with God, you never submit yourself to the Word of God, you don't seek to obey Him, all of a sudden God calls you something big, is there a chance that you're prepared to even hear what He has for you? We've said that even in board meetings. We've said that are are we in our board ready? Are we walking with the Lord and trying to keep in step with Him that if He calls us to something different or big, are we ready to act? Are we going, whoa, whoa, what was that? And now all of a sudden we start getting things together. Or are we prepared like Ezra was? And this was years. I think it was 14 years later, something like that. And listening is different than just hearing. Hearing seems to use the ears, where listening seems to use ears, the heart, the head, along with other body parts. I'm reminded of the book of Revelation. It admonishes us so many times, he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. What's the church? That's you guys. That's us. What is the Spirit of God saying to us? But here, like I want you to see, it's more than just hearing, because, hey, We've all had teenagers, and they hear us, apparently, but they don't necessarily listen. So here, it's interesting because we see a great descriptor in Nehemiah. Ezra read, and he explained the word, which is really cool. He explained it, and not only did he parse it out so that people understood it, but you have to remember that now we have a couple different languages, Aramaic, Hebrew. So here he comes, and he uses the language of that day for the people, so, if some of you are stuck on a certain Bible language, this was good enough for the Apostle Paul. So Paul it's good enough for me. Then I have to get you to scratch your head on that one, because if people here and your kids don't understand something like the King James Version, get over it. Because there's new versions out there that help people understand the Word of God. I would think that that's a great place to put an amen, but no, this tough crowd. Whoo! Okay, so it's really important, and Ezra was there not only to use different languages, but also, what does this mean for us? And he was reading for hours, and what were they doing? Sitting on a couch? What were they doing? Standing. They were frothing at the mouth to hear, what does God have for us today? There's a little kick in the tush for us North Americans, eh? Rose on, when's this guy done, you know? (laughs) so it's really important that we take time to listen not only to hear but to use our ears and our heart and our head along with other body parts and what I mean by that to actively participate and to obey Ezra explained it and when he explained it their first reaction their first response was grief their first response was grief Because they read the truth and the truth slapped them upside the head and they realized we have sinned. We have fallen short of the glory of God. We've been going our own way. And they mourned over their sins. There was a spirit of conviction and of grief and man did we mess this up. Romans 3 and Galatians 3 they talk about this the law can't save us but when they're reading the law what the law did is it just absolutely accented that, oh my goodness, have we messed up. And the law does the same for us today. Go ahead and read the Ten Commandments. You can't keep them. You've all messed them up. All of us. And that's why it's there. You go, I can't do this. Yeah. That's why we need a Savior. That's why we need Jesus. Hey! <laughs> right on, brother. That's why we need Jesus. And what the people heard touched their emotions for they wept. They wept as the law. they heard the law, and apparently they were remorseful over their past disobedience to the law and contrite over their sins. Contrite meaning just such a brokenness. And somebody uh, continued to say, listening also then demands a response. So all the people responded, and they, uh, it's a splendid example of unified worship as the leader raised his voice in praise, and the people responded. And in Brenneman, an uh, 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 author said this, this is how they responded. They lifted their hands and worshipped and showed a sense of need. I need you, God. That's oftentimes why we do this in worship. God, I need you. Fill me. And then by saying amen and amen, which means so be it, which means right on, I agree, which means like on Facebook. I like it, okay? Okay? and then by bowing down to the ground with a sense of humility and submission before, the, before God, I'm going to say that that's the hardest thing for us to do in North America today. To shut up and do and say what God wants us to do. I tell you, I see a spirit of pride in me so often and I see it all over us. That we have fat heads walking around, I, me, my resources, what's in it for me, my retirement, this, that, comfort, comfort, and it's just like you know what? It's not about you. This is about obedience to the word of the Lord. The one who created you, the one who made you with such intricacy that we see in, in uh, Psalm 139 and then cared enough, even though you messed up and broke the law, sent a Savior for you. This is a big deal. Love it. The Jews had observed the annual day of atonement and the Lord had dealt with their sins in Leviticus 16. So they, sh- they should have been rejoicing in His forgiveness. But here they were crying and they were mourning and they were doing all sorts to show that they were convicted of sin and they just couldn't handle it. But then it's so neat because what happens then is the elders and the people that were there, no, 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 stop. Stop your crying. No, 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 no. This is a day of celebration. It's kind of cool. Because you think, well, let them swallow. You know, let them feel it. But I love this because what Pastor Ken has so uh, uh, very much put into me, and same with my wife, is that even communion, which we're going to enjoy today, it's not all about beating yourself, oh God, you you died on the cross for me, forgive me, uh," and sit here and wallow. It's also a celebration. You know, It's really important that we come to communion with celebration. This is incredible what has happened that Jesus gave, gave himself on the cross for you and for me. He died on the cross for our sins. So this is what they're also reminding them of, which we're going to see and parse out just a little bit more in in just a bit. Um, They had the Feast of Tabernacles. So as they're reading, they didn't just do what I did today and skip chapter 7. They kept reading and all of a sudden, Feast of Booths or Feast of Tabernacles, what is this? And then they read all the detail and then they went out and did it. You ever do that? Just do it. The Bible says it, do it. You don't even have to pray about it. Do it. So listening's catchy. It includes not just hearing, but actually it includes doing and obedience, and with that comes celebration. But what I pointed out before is because we're prideful people, we need a sense of humility and submission before the Lord. We've got to be ready to submit. Yeah, God, I'll do it. And sometimes that also looks like we submit to one another. Listening includes obedience and celebration. Going back to uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8 and 9. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest... And scribe and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is sacred, it's set apart. This day is set apart to the Lord, your God. Don't cry, don't mourn, don't weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. couple things in there. Has the word of God grabbed you like that? That you just start tearing up? That you go, whoa, I've dropped the ball. I'm sorry, God. Have you been submitting yourself to the Word of God? But secondly, when you read something in there, you don't have to keep your hands in your pockets. If there's something pretty cool that's happening there, it's okay to go, yes, amen, God, this is awesome, and celebrate, And that's what he's saying. These people were used to mourning. They were used to being down in the mouth, downtrodden. They were used to being calling names. They were used to be slaves. They were used to be nobodies. And now they had a wall, protection, identity. They were God's people. Now let's look back and remember to what the tabernacle or the the Feast of Booths is about and let us celebrate. So listening seems to include uh, obedience and celebration, and let me again use that knitting needle to bring us to the New Testament. James says, be doers of the word, not just hearers only, because then you're deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks really intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself, and then he goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks in the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. I love the the book of James. It's get or done kind of book. It's not just listen and walk away. It's no no, you look into that mirror and you see some of the reflection of wow, I gotta change this, change that, and you do something about it. Same thing with us when we look in the Word of God, and that's our mirror to our spiritual lives, to our parenting, to our relationships. How we do business. We look at it, and there's stuff that's pointing back to us. And we change by the Spirit of God. So they celebrated the uh, festival of booths or, or shelters, or they celebrated with temporary tents. They went up on their roofs and they built little tents, you know. And I love this because it didn't, it didn't just say that, okay, uh, the Levites. In Nehemiah, we pre-cut all these really cool branches or we got them on sale at Walmart. So if you guys want, there's a great, you know, none of that happened. These people were so moved that they all went and cut down leaves and branches and trees and all that stuff. There's such a participation in here. So that's a little hoof again for us because if we always expect the elders or always expect the pastor to do it, you're wrong. That is not what church is about. And I'm wrong if I'm actually helping you guys believe that. It's not about me and Ken doing it or Oren doing it. We're here to help shepherd, but if, you ex- are, if you've gotten the impression that it all hinges on me or on Ken, boy, we've been doing this wrong. This is us, the church of Christ. It's his church. So they celebrated the Festival of Booths, they, they cut all this down and they made these temporary shelters or tents. And why did they do it? Number one, because what? The number one reason. Because the Bible said so. Hey, eh? Simple guy I am. Because the Bible said so. So you need to learn and to obey and sometimes stop asking questions. I sometimes find that we're so enamored with asking questions, questions, questions with doubt that sometimes we just don't do it. And here... They built these festivals or these shelters, these temporary tents, because the Bible said so. Okay, let's get her done. And also because it, it helped them remember or reminded them of the faithfulness of God in the past. Remember, they were saved from Pharaoh and all his cronies from slavery in Egypt and all the miracles of going through the, the Red Sea and it's splitting open, they could walk across on dry land, the manna and everything else, the 40 years in the desert of wandering and their shoes didn't, didn't wear out. They must have got them from strides, huh? little plug there. Um, so, uh, (laughs) So they had good shoes and they had good food and all that stuff. And they were to remember the faithfulness of God. So surely they would remember the hard times, you guys. This is for all of you. They remember the rough times. So they remember their testimony of how it sucked in Egypt. And you too might remember how you were before Christ how things were hard, or some of them might have been half fun, whatever. But the big deal of is not to sit there and remember just the good old days or the hard days, but you actually, boom, you move forward and to see the faithfulness of God to pluck you from the miry clay and put you into a standing with Him that is good. You know what I'm saying? That's what they were doing back here. They were not sitting, hey, this tent's pretty good. I like it. Remember the spices in Pharaoh's day and all that? That's not the point. The point was to fast forward you into the faithfulness and the graciousness of our Heavenly Father. It also reminded them that God is still the great deliverer that He was, with, that he was when in the days of Pharaoh in Egypt. So He delivered them through all sorts of hardship back then, and He was still in the business of delivering them in that day, taking them from exile and bringing them back, giving them identity, and he's in the same business today. So if you have a lame or downtrodden identity, you can have an identity in Christ. I don't care if you're addicted. I don't care if you've lost your kids along the way. I don't care if there's adultery. You know what? You can come also to repentance and not just stay there, but move over to celebration, because God forgives you in Jesus Christ. The festival also reminded them that life on earth is temporary. This is not all there is. And it also caused them to celebrate God. To celebrate God. Assisted by the Levites and Nehemiah convinced the people to stop mourning and start celebrating. It was wrong to mourn when God has forgiven us as it is to rejoice when sin has conquered us. So in conclusion, I just have another verse for you from 2 Chronicles 7. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, which would also include obedience, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal them. I will heal their land. Don't you need to hear that today? Doesn't our community, our world need to hear that today?